The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. It is uh, eh, it's early morning. Let's not tell anyone what time it is because we don't want to brag. Um, you know, suffice it to say, we're working hard. Um, how was your How's your Sunday? All right, man. Uh, we had some we had some close ones. Kind of kind of weird to go, but I think all in all, we had. A, Okay, I guess okay day on Green Line, not a great day. Uh, okay, um, so I don't know. Always, always. Yeah, but how was your how was your Sunday? Well, that, my Sunday those, consists of those sweating. Things are, those things are mutually exclusive. So when I say Eric, how's your Sunday? I expect to like I went for a nice walk with the kids. I had a lovely dinner. I think at some point I'll be mature enough to uh, not sweat through the games, but since I don't think they actually, I think the correlation between how we do and how my Sunday went is pretty pretty close to one. All right, we'll work on that. We'll get the His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. We'll have some sessions together. Let's good he's uh, a good friend. He's <laughs> a good friend. Uh, let's spend two minutes here talking about games that already happened uh, because there were some some good ones. I think the two, um, there were probably three big games, right? There was Thursday night. Dallas established the dominance of defense in the cold of winter in Dallas. And we forget that probably nothing more bitterly cold than Dallas in December. Um, we had the Vikings go into New England. And then we had the Chargers go into Pittsburgh. Which of those um, results was the most surprising to you, and which one was the least surprising? Oh, I I think if any of if any of you saw what we said on Sports Illustrated, you know they had us talk about Thursday night, and we said at seven and a half, you know Dallas is of value. But both of us looked at our looked at each other and said, wow, you know, there, is there any way we're going to bet Dallas here? Um, it seems like a lot of people did because it moved to seven. Uh, where we had like a no pick. Ultimately, Dallas won outright. I thought that was the most surprising. And then, of course, you know, we flipped the script to Sunday night. And if you would have told me, you know, 23 7, that seven that the Chargers got was already fluky. Get another fluky touchdown on a ball that should have been intercepted, a punt return where there was a clear block in the back. Uh, Ultimately, I think that that ending was the most surprising. But Thursday night, to me as a whole, was the most surprising. The Chargers' comeback was was about the Chargers to a certain degree. But if that doesn't sum up the way that this Steelers' season has gone, where Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, that connection going into the season, oh man, that's as elite as it gets. This offense, as elite as it gets. And in the first half, that could not have been more true. And the, the other kind of side of that coin was that they were not making nearly as many of those Steelers mistakes. But then they started to kind of catch up with themselves, right? Missing that Justin Hunter touchdown. I don't know what Ben Roethlisberger was doing when he lobbed it up to Vance McDonald, but those eventually caught up with him. Um, so 
I, I w- wish I could say that, that was the most surprising, but I think it might have been the least surprising. That was a Steelers. That was a classic Steelers game. Uh, the, the Saints. Here's the one thing I, I do want to gloat about, which is that in our power rankings video last week, the Saints are number one. No arguing that. But I was the one that went on there and said, look, I know where they're at right now. I think the Rams are going to be the best team in the NFL by the time this is all said and done. Not that they were amazing last week, but um, I think we saw that maybe the Saints are not quite as great as we think. Which, which of these wins was more impressive was going on the road and ultimately covering against a, a Lions team that basically gave the Rams a pretty good game or the Chiefs amidst controversy going to Oakland and gutting out a 40 to 33 win. I, you know what I'm saying? Like it was weird because obviously I think that the Saints get a knockdown a little bit for losing to the Dallas Cowboys, but I don't think either the Rams or the Chiefs had these sort of like signature convincing wins this week. Yeah. Your, your Chiefs fan is your Chiefs under, your Chiefs boxers are showing. Yes, the Rams didn't play well, but they covered. The, the so. Jared Goff was one for ten for nineteen yards when pressured uh, on Sunday. He the right. they were up three points. Covered great teams. Covered. Uh, they were up three points in the fourth quarter, and he threw consecutive passes that should have been pick sixes in his own in his own end. I will say the Rams obviously, yeah, as you said, great teams cover. Uh, that was a that was an interesting game. There was a legitimate shot for the Rams to lose that one. Whereas I think Kansas City was sort of, they were up 17 in the fourth quarter and uh, Oakland backdoored them. But uh, I don't know. I It's weird. It's because just nice to know that you're wearing your Chiefs boxers this morning. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Vikings or Chiefs. I should have known. And you went Chiefs. And I, I like it. I've told people before, I, I grew up a bike. I do not like the Vikings, especially after okay. the, the perform, performance they, they uh, put together against the uh, Patriots. Yeah, that was, that was kind of sad. Uh, real quick, uh, there were a couple of three-point underdogs or three-plus-point underdogs that won outright. I think the one that we liked the most, interestingly, was probably Cleveland. I don't know. If, I think we like them to cover. I'm not sure necessarily to win, but... Um, I don't know. There were a couple that I thought, man, these would be, you know, if I were, if I were betting fire lane, a money line on an underdog, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, certainly a couple. Arizona was not one I thought of, but that was, that was something. Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy is out. Uh, I guess let's, let's get into the week 14 games with this. Atlanta is at Green Bay. Uh, Joe Philbin, coach of the Packers, interim coach of the Packers. So uh, Green Bay favored by six. Joe Fielding. Two questions are this. <laughs> Would you take Green Bay minus six, Atlanta plus six, and who is the next coach of the Green Bay Packers? Uh, Dan Quinn. Um, the I Atlanta hasn't scored a first-half touchdown in uh, three consecutive games. Uh, so it's going to be very t- hard for me to back Atlanta. I don't think Philbin uh, was good when he coached Miami, so uh, I don't know necessarily if it's going to turn the corner uh, now that he's coaching Green Bay. That to me, that is a game I'm very intrigued to watch, but I have absolutely no 
feel for. I'm, I think there's going to be some sort of boost to the Packers offense just by subtracting the weight that was on there. Um, that a little bit of baggage, but six is a lot for me. I, I think that, um, I think that the math will will say that Atlanta's a smart pick here at getting six. I don't think the Packers are three points better than the Atlanta Falcons, that they're both kind of poop. Um, and the next coach of the Green Bay Packers is going to be a State Farm agent. I think they just hire the State Farm agent to stand on the sideline, and uh, every time out we're going to get a vintage just a beautiful conversation between Aaron Rodgers and the State Farm agent. Has Rodgers, uh, Rodgers does not earn LeBron James's like, you know, let's get a guy in here just to like make me happy kind of thing. I, I'm sure, I'm sure he does, but uh, I'm really curious who that is. I, the one, the one name that is, you know, an offensive guy who has some respect around the league, who's, Proven, I guess, you know, for what it's worth to, to have had success is Josh McDaniels. It just, he does not strike me as the type of guy that has the, the disposition that will work well with Aaron Rodgers. I could be totally wrong. That's just like a random guess. That, but that's really the only guy. I can't imagine Lincoln Riley being the, you know, you know what? Here, here's what I really hope. I hope, really hope it's Cliff Kingsbury. I just think that I think that'd be a beautiful marriage. I'm a big Cliff Kim. Shockingly, shockingly, Eric, I'm a big Cliff Kingsbury guy. I can't. I know this surprises you. I know you're utterly shocked that I'm a huge Cliff Kingsbury guy, but I am. I can't believe that you would be the offensive coordinator at SC. That does not strike me as the best opportunity he would get. I think there's probably a much better chance he goes to the Rams for the end of the season. But on the Packers, I'm looking for a guy whose who's look, offensive mind, and charisma are a match for Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's Cliff Kingsbury. Interesting. I, like I said, I, I threw out a name at the very beginning, and you seem to ignore it. So uh, I have I have no gauge for this game, and I honestly have never been really good at, at who – uh, you know, at who teams are going to hire. I do know this, though. Historically, this person, whoever Green Bay hires, is going to be their coach for a long time, unless his name is Ray Rhodes. <laughs> uh, if you had to put money on it right now, what would you go with? Well, who, are you, who are the top three favorites, do you think? I honestly think, Lincoln, I honestly think Lincoln Riley is a, is a really good choice because, you know, Green Bay is a storied franchise. He, you know, as I said... They, they generally keep their coach through thick and thin, although there hasn't been a ton of thin lately, uh, figuratively or literally. And, you know, the, I don't, yeah, that would be that I thought, think a good choice. I think the other thing that we, the other thing is like, for example, with Andy Reid in Kansas City, um, you know, I, that, that new coach might already, might still be on a team right now. Um, but you know, somebody like Lincoln Riley, somebody like, I don't know if they, I don't know if they stick with like Philbin, you know, internally. I, I honestly, they do not. Uh, yeah. I honestly don't know. So 
I think I think I think Riley's a good one. I think the the other candidates might still be coaching their respective teams. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if McDaniel's is up there. I think you're right. Lincoln Riley will be up there in terms of the Vegas favorites. But Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is the right choice. Okay, let's move on to uh, the Thursday night game. Uh, if we spend more than 30 seconds on this, then we have spent way too much time. The Jacksonville Jaguars annual trip to Tennessee in Nashville. Nothing, nothing quite says Thursday night football has taken a step in the right direction than Cody Kessler versus Marcus Mariota in Nashville. That is what beautiful live music looks like. I think Cody Kessler is probably a better country musician than he is a quarterback. At least his name says so. They used to play my first like two years at PFF. This was like the Thursday night color rush game. And it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Um, now they took a year off. Interestingly, we're going to get a couple games like this this week, which is very similar to Indy Jacksonville, where literally Indy Jacksonville spread changed like seven and a half points in a three week stretch. This Jacksonville Tennessee game, this is represents a 14 and a half point swing in the Vegas spread since the week three meeting where Jacksonville is favored by 10. So the, a lot of things can happen during the season. Ten, uh, the Jets found out against Tennessee that a lot of field goals don't add up to a couple touchdowns. Uh, so Tennessee ended up winning that game uh, outright uh, to go to 6-6. Six and six. This is a game that I – Atlanta Green Bay I was interested in. I had no gauge for this game. I have no interest in. Well, we are 30 seconds in the hole. I, I wholeheartedly co-signed everything that you said. Tennessee favored by four and a half. Uh, yeah, I is. I think the the math will be on the side of Jacksonville. These teams are probably pretty even. That being said, Cody Kessler, I don't know. This game sucks. All right, uh, Kansas City seven point favorites hosting. The Baltimore Ravens. I think this is the best way to approach this question. If if Joe Flacco plays, where does this line go? Ten. To what? I think it grows. Grows. I I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think Joe Flacco's in there. It's a it's seven and a half, eight, eight and a half maybe. Um. The, the Chiefs sorry. defense. The Chiefs defense is really has. You know, they had a couple games there. And I guess road games, it's tough, tougher to play defense. But uh, they were not good against the Raiders uh, uh, yesterday. Um, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to offer, you know, their, their struggling linebackers a big test. At seven, I think this is a, is a stay away. But if this gets to seven and a half, eight, I I like the Baltimore pick. I, I, the Baltimore offense with Lamar Jackson, I I think has sort of a floor because of all the things you can do running the ball. Um, I don't know. Kansas City gave up thirty three points to Derek Carr, so that has to say something. 71 yards on the ground to the generational talents that are Doug Martin, Jalen Richard, and DeAndre Washington. It's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, that's another really great game. Uh, here's a game that is actually, I think, a decent game. The Indianapolis Colts 
fresh off an impressive performance in Jacksonville in Houston against the Red Hot 9-3 and Houston Texans. I am getting crushed every time that I tell someone the Texans. I've said this for the past five weeks. The Texans are not as good as, as their record indicates. The Texans are not as good as their record indicates. And people look at me like I have 17 heads. And then the Texans end up winning. And I just kind of crawl back into my corner and say, look, it'll happen. They've played nobody. Um, they're four-point favorites here. Are we going to back that up by saying the Colts are the right pick? Uh, the Houston under eight and a half was our first ever win total. That was a loser uh, this last week. Um, yeah, I like Frank Reich's quote after Eric Ebron got knocked out of bounds slash not where he said, I thought we had one more play. And I'm like, well, you had 70 or so plays to score one point. Uh, what's another play? Um, I like, I like Indy in this spot for sure. Um, I think, you know, obviously Houston is better than we thought. I think that their wins have gotten more convincing, more process, good results following as opposed to early in the year. Um, but I, I like Indianapolis in a bounce back here. It, again, this is a tough one because I do think the math will probably say, ah, these teams are pretty even, but um, four, four is kind of a tough number given that I think Houston's offense is good and probably has zero, zero issue putting up a bunch of points. I think part of that indie shutout has got to be, they were looking at this game against Houston and sort of figured, well, we can beat Cody Kessler and we'll be on to a very important game against the Texans. Now this game is slightly less important because of the space between the two teams and the records. Um, so you probably get a kitchen sink game from the Colts, and I'm not sure the Texans have that same uh, urgency. So I, I got to think this line moves a little bit. I'm sort of surprised it's only four. I would have been a little more excited at five. Um, same line that we got in week four, three or right. four, when they play each other, and that was our pick. I mean, the uh, I think, I think as you said, you're going to get maximum effort out of Indianapolis, who's now kind of, you know, they were in the driver's seat for a wild card, but Baltimore, as we talked about, not only uh, has a one-game lead over everybody for that sixth seed, they're also only a half game away from Pittsburgh for the AFC North. So, uh, you know, I think Indianapolis knows that they're behind here, as you said, with Houston. Houston kind of battling for a first-round bye. They have a, a tiebreaker loss with New England and, and so on and so forth. So, I think much like we thought about on Sunday night, didn't end up working out. The the bigger, the more motivated team here is Indianapolis. Cleveland hosting the Panthers. A couple of disappointing efforts from both those teams last week. If the Cleveland Browns don't get torched, if that game is sort of neck and neck um, for the most, the majority of that game. Is this is this not a, a pick'em? Am I sort of crazy there? Is this a lot of love for the Panthers, um, making them a one-point favorite on the road against the Browns, who are? I ask this question every week at Carolina. If Carolina loses the game to the Giants and loses the game to Philly, and they are what four and do the carry the two four and eight, right? 
as opposed to six and six where they currently are. What does this line look like? The interesting thing about Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, uh, all three of his interceptions against Houston were from a clean pocket. He averaged over nine yards in attempt otherwise and, and, you know, even from a clean pocket, but he very much made a lot of mistakes uh, against Houston. I think that those probably regress a little bit here. Carolina's defense really weak. We saw that against Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, so if you can exploit them, uh, that, that, that you're probably going to have some success. Uh, I like Cleveland here for sure. And I think your question begs that, that same answer. Yes. I, I think this is one of those situations where the Browns show, oh, hey, we're not the Browns anymore. And then they have a game where it's like, oh, actually, <laughs> hold up. We're, we're the Cleveland Browns and people are going to be quick to jump back on that bandwagon. And I'm not sure that that's, you know, wrong, except that I, this team is substantially different from the quarterback position. I, um, I think we just saw a little bit of, of rookie on the road. We're, you know, maybe having some success and all of a sudden the bottom falls out of things, but I, I'm not sure that it's indicative of the bottom falling out for the rest of the season. It's more of a one game sort of thing. The Panthers have fallen real far. I, I remember us talking about them as a potential top five team. Stolen North Turner, talking about Cam turning over a new leaf. Losing to Tampa Bay, man, is um, in rather convincing fashion. It's not a good look for a team that needed to win that game. Tampa Bay at home uh, hosting the New Orleans Saints. I, I got to imagine that there are many people who are going to bet on a New Orleans Saints bounce back, but this game is on the road in, you know, in Tampa Bay. Um, it, the Bucks are getting eight points at home. My initial thought is if this, if the Saints had just won against Dallas, I would feel so much better about Tampa Bay. Losing in Dallas makes me worried a little bit. Having lost Tampa Bay already, Makes me worry a little bit. Is my process? Do you agree? At least agree with my process that eight feels like too much. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we were on this game last year, week seventeen, where we didn't have much to choose from. We took the under and the 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 Saints against the points, and we lost both. Uh, the the Saints, the Saints, like, like pouring salt into the wound in an early morning Monday. Yeah, the Saints. The Saints haven't won a game in Tampa since 2015. So they, they've, uh, you know, even last season where they were a strong team, they were unable to win there. Um, I think Tampa Bay presents a challenge uh, differently than Dallas does. Um, I think Dallas, if your offense struggles, Dallas's defense can take advantage of that. I think Tampa is a team that if your defense struggles, they can take advantage of that. And we saw that with Carolina. Um I do I do see a bounce back here, but I, I I would not lay the points. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think where this I would expect this line to go. So it's supposed to be classic Tampa Bay weather, like 82 thunderstorms, a little bit of wind, that whole thing. It w- really wouldn't surprise me to see sort of another ugly-ish game. The Bucks are. The Bucks are the perfect team to play well when they have that don't give an F attitude. It's like we have nothing to lose, but we've got some talent on offense. Just like, you know, you only live once. 
let's let's chuck it up. And eight points, eight points could either be way too few in, the, in those situations, or you're being like, you're just sitting there like, wow, how did we not consider this? I I, I don't know which way the line will move, but I do think Camp Day is the right side. If Davis throws five interceptions, all bets are off, and he is certainly capable <laughs> of that. But uh, what we saw against Carolina was that their defense gave you know the defense gave up 300 yards passing on 7.3 yards an attempt, but they did secure four interceptions. They had six pass breakups, but they were able to. Their defense is is has been terrible. They didn't have Brent Grimes, and they still managed that. But I do think if a quarterback plays poorly, they're able to take advantage. Now, what playing poorly for Cam Newton is is not the same as we're playing poorly for uh, Drew Brees is. Yes, they're getting eight points, though. Uh, New England at Miami. This is the annual. Way an egg game? Tom Brady struggle game. Though I'm not sure we haven't seen that game already three times this season. Gronk. Gronk. Okay. Put your put your Vikings boxers on here for a second. Was that Was that game against the Vikings – more about the Vikings offense or the Patriots offense? Oh, you mean my guy, James White? <laughs> um, no, the game was about the Vikings. Kirk Cousins threw for 4.6 yards per attempt from a clean pocket. I mean, they, they threw a slant to Laquan Treadwell on 4th <laughs> and 11. Really, though, do you think – did he think? Did he look up at the scoreboard and think it was 4th and 1? Even then, to to trust Treadwell before the catch is a big leap of faith. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I just I I don't understand. I don't understand how you call a play on an important fourth down that you haven't run a bunch. I don't understand having a route in that play that is essentially worthless, right against that coverage essentially just totally New England played a around. New England played a predictably brilliant game plan against the Vikings. Stefan Diggs was injured and so they basically put resources towards Adam Thielen and forced Kirk Cousins to target uh, Aldrich Robinson and 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 uh, Laquan Treadwell double digit times and the results were pretty uh, predictable. I you know I it was more about I thought the I thought Patriots had a brilliant game plan defensively, and then I think New England because the Vikings at one point in time were playing Rochester's own Marcus Sherrill's at cornerback, uh, you know, did what they always do and just just hammer a team's uh, imperfections in the second half. So that was kind of an interesting game as it pertains to this game now. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like this this sounds bad coming from us. But Miami is so poor defensively in terms of, like, stopping the run that I do think it's going to be a Sony Michelle-type game. Um, and then when they have to, I think that they're going to dagger Miami's weaknesses in the secondary. But they're so soft as a defense that that's what I think that they do here. Yeah, I'll say this. I said this for Tampa Bay. This happens to be the same sort of weather in Miami. 15-mile-an-hour winds, 80% chance of Rain, uh, sorry, 40% chance of rain, scattered thunderstorms. One of those weird weather games in Miami. 
covering seven and a half is a lot to ask of a Gronk is like <laughs> Gronk looks like they're filming the uh the the sequel to the I oh god I can't remember the name of the stupid movie. It's the movie with Zach Efron where he like goes partying with his grandpa. Gronk looks like the grandpa. He was like still trying to go to <laughs> go to parties and get his get his groove on and just like can't move. <laughs> Dude is I feel bad because Gronk's awesome. You want to see him play well, but yeah, they're not in a great spot offensively. I don't think seven and a half is is a lot. I'm going to go ahead and say we stay away from that game. Giants at Redskins in a <laughs> NFC East battle. Rematch <laughs> of a of a early of a early season game that we were on with uh, Washington on the road. The fighting Adrian Petersons. So now it's Colt McCoy at home. Uh, the Giants, Giants can't get out of their own way, but you know they they are they were a team that I really liked getting points at home last week. Um, I'm not quite as sure one and a half sounds as good, but it is Colt McCoy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we want to see McCoy play another game here um, against Philly. Um, I, you know, I think the Giants are the kind of, I mean, they, the Giants almost pulled off the elegant tank, uh, on Sunday, uh, basically giving up a 10 point fourth quarter, 10.2 minute left of the fourth quarter lead, uh, against the Bears only to come back and win. Um, you know, I, the Giants are playing hard. That's something that, you know, you can't discount here. I do think though, if Washington wins tonight, and they're seven and five. Uh, this game has a substantial importance, uh, in, you know, in the NFC, not only NFC East, but on the NFC wild card. I do think that factors in. Washington's defense is pretty good, uh, or can be pretty good. So I don't know. I, I do like the matchup here for Washington. I just, you know, it's not one of those things where the Giants are terrible and they're laying down every game. So it's going to be a grind either way. Yes. I mean, they're still throwing touchdown pa- like Odell Beckham Jr. still throwing touchdown passes. So uh, it, it's they're they're still trying to win, unlike some of these teams. It's hard to try to win with Colt McCoy. That's the other issue, especially when you're favored. McCoy McCoy threw three interceptions against a Dallas team that just beat New Orleans, and they still it was still a one one ish score game. Uh, I think I don't know. I I, I think McCoy's fine. Uh, if if you want Washington to finish nine and seven and to possibly make the playoffs, yeah. Here's the tough thing. This is saying that the Giants are a better team than the Redskins on a new. And I just I just reject that fundamentally. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me to swallow. However, a matchup, a matchup of the two running backs of their generation. So that's there's that. What Capri Bibbs and. Uh, and uh, Wayne Gallman. <laughs> the hate is strong with you. San Francisco hosting the Denver Broncos, the surging Denver <laughs> Broncos. The Broncos have beat the Chargers, they beat the Steelers, uh, beat the corpse of the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, just about oh, stone's throw from where I'm sitting right now on the banks of the Ohio River. Beautiful sight. Uh, the the Broncos 
are a five and a half point favorite on the road in San Francisco against Nick Mullins. St. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins threw that pick six to Bobby Wagner on Sunday. And he came off on the bench and he just had that look on his face that he just is like kind of shrugged his shoulders. He's kind of like kind of smirked. But yeah, outrun by a linebacker to the end zone. The elegant tank is pretty impressive, George. My, my guy, Kyle Shanahan. I just can't wait till it's week 17 and everyone's looking at the number one pick scenarios. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah. So the Niners. <laughs> the Niners, the number one pick, select all five of Oakland's first round draft picks over the next three seasons. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. What do you think about this game? You're not laying points with Denver here. Not Case Keenum. Yeah, absolutely not. The Niners suck. That's the, uh, that's obviously like a complete fact, but I don't think that the Niners suck in a way that is if it is, uh, we're giving up on the season, we're going to let Case Keenum steamroll us. That's, that is not the type of suck that the Niners have going on. But it's so predictable that they go get boat raced in Seattle. That's just been a place that, particularly a Niners team that doesn't have, you know, the Niners with CJ Beathard last year in that same spot were just a total joke. Um, Five and a half seems like too much. I think Denver's still a little bit of a fraudulent team. And this feels, this has the makings of a nice little trap game for the Broncos. Lions at Cardinals. Cardinals getting two points. How many points would you need in order to actually watch this game? Uh, I would need four and a half for Arizona. Arizona, plucky effort in Green Bay. Did you ever think that the Cardinals would be the team that took down uh, St. McCarthy in Green Bay. Like, to me, that was the game where we're in the belly of the beast. I think Greenline had Arizona plus 13 and a half, plus 14. So I actually cared about it a little bit. And uh, and I'm, I remember messaging you on Skype saying, they're going to, the Packers are going to lose this game outright. And, and sure enough, uh, they ran the ball fine. I think Rosen made a couple nice throws. Uh, one to Christian Kirk down the sideline. Their defense, I, I think, can still offer issues. There's a legitimate chance in this game that Matthew Stafford throws like two pick sixes to Patrick Peterson, uh, in which case this will be a fun one. It's going to be interesting to hear the rationale for why Patricia's going to have more success in season two. Did the Lions found a run game? Both these teams have head coaches where the, the ownership might, might feel like a do-over would be the just, uh, course of action. Sure, but the Cardinals at least have transitioned to a rookie quarterback, switched offensive coordinators. The Lions pay, pay their quarterback a King's ransom. He, the, the narrative has, has been forever. Wow. Poor Matt Stafford. He, doesn't have a run game, so you can't expect him to throw the ball well. Shockingly, the run game shows up. He's been worse. So I wish the Cardinals didn't win that game against the Packers because you know they feel way too good about themselves at this point. So it's very hard for me to, um, you know, sort of take the Cardinals with faith here. But I'll say this. Are, is it, these teams are, are pretty much equal, right? 
Wow. Suck. Yeah, they're uh yeah, if the game's played in Arizona, yeah, I, I don't mind that take. Thank you. Thank you for your service. God, what a terrible game that will be. Just but the problem is, is it's gonna Scott Hans, it's gonna be the three, you know, the four twenty-five game. It's like welcome back and you know, Philadelphia Dallas is on commercial. Let's go to Arizona and watch Detroit Cardinals. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna get up and go to the bathroom. I'm sure that that sequence will happen at least two times for you next Sunday. Let's go on to some games that matter. So let's get let's kick Pittsburgh Oakland out of the way quickly because this game is also going to suck. The Raiders getting 11 and a half at home against Pittsburgh after just a disgusting second half effort for the Steelers had to figure they thought that game was already over. And it should have been if Ben Roethlisberger just hits Justin Hunter and doesn't lob it up into the open arms of Derwin James, by the way, who had a nice coming out party for the nation. However, if you know anything about me, you've ever listened, you've ever listened to anything I've said over the past year and a half it's been I have bemoaned the fact that the the Niners passed on Derwin James I thought it was was a mistake and uh, I think it was and the Bays passed on it twice yeah Yeah. so the Steelers the the Raiders you, you can almost never feel safe with them because they're just so bad everywhere but the Steelers are not a team that is going in and rolling teams by by 12-plus on the road, right? Gun to the head, I'd take Pittsburgh here because it's a meaningless. Like, they're going to win any, you know, and and it's just like them to cover this game, but not the Chargers game, you know? Uh, but, and then as you said, Oakland's so bad that, you know, like, for example, they basically had the cover in the bag against Baltimore two weeks ago and, you know, stuff happens and they ended up losing by like 17 or something. Um, I think that they played their biggest effort uh, against Kansas City this last week. Uh, I think they emptied the tank a little bit. And so uh, I think you're probably going to get Pittsburgh rolling here. Um, it's just going to be frustrating having to watch that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't. I hope we don't have it for Green Line, to be quite honest. But uh, I do think Pittsburgh is the side. But I don't know. I, I know I'm going to sit there on on Friday and Saturday and say, well, you know what? Ben Roethlisberger has not been good. Steelers are, you know, they're an, a Joe Hayden. Takedown by Sean Davis away from having Artie Burns on the field. Even the Raiders could take advantage of that. The Raiders suck. They're the worst team in the NFL. Top to bottom. Derek Carr is terrible. Here's a question for you. Real quick. Does Derek Carr get another shot with an NFL team to start next season? Is he starting for Oakland next year? No, he's not. So does any other team give him a shot? Yeah, of course. I mean, the Oakland Raiders gave Matt Schaub a chance to start over Derek Carr. Like, like these the 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 league loves itself and players like Derek Carr. Yeah, I think Derek Carr ends up at where, where? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Uh, let me think. There's not a lot of teams out there that Baltimore need. possibly to like compete with Lamar Jackson. Oh come uh, on, Detroit. 
when they get rid of Stafford. <laughs> New York Giants, when they're trying to groom their rookie quarterback, they bring Carr in to be the bridge. Terror. What a slate you put together. <laughs> the That's Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins are looking for a quarterback. You just, I know Tannehill's 2-0. His last you had a charcuterie plate of spoiled meats. That was what that. That was what you just served. I mean, up. it's not going to be a good team that gives Derek Carr a shot. Oh, for sure. I, Denver, I just, Denver could if they sell on Keenum. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure there's a team out there. I, I think. Uh, well, luckily he's got a career either like sitting sitting next to cars, um, modeling like. Or, someone's gonna give him. Someone's gonna give him a Mike Glennon backup quarterback deal. That's that's. But Glennon, Glennon was supposed to start for Chicago, right? Like Glennon was like taken aback that they they traded up and got the Trubisk, right? That to me is the I, next I, I, I mean, car opportunity. I mean the Mike Glennon in Arizona deal. Oh, Not I see. Mike Glennon in Chicago deal. Come on. The guy's like, wait a sec, wait a sec. You you have no faith in Mike Glennon. You draft Trubisky. But imagine being Glennon in that spot. I don't want to. I never want to imagine being Mike Glennon in any spot because I'm worried I might stick my neck out there and get my head lopped off. Chicago welcomes in the Los Angeles Rams. This is uh, – I'm going to go ahead and say the most compelling game of the week uh, because Monday night game is, is good. But this game is, I think, more compelling. And the big reason why is that this is the matchup that after last Thursday night, everyone needs to see because it is great defense versus a great offense. You know, people are going to – we will hear 20 times over this week, 20 times 20, how, look, we learned last Thursday night that defense wins championships, uh, asterisk, <laughs> Thursday night football games. And – uh and and I think people, if Trubisky is back, the Bears getting three and a half, I think will be a somewhat um, trendy discussion for a lot of people. What do you think? I, I don't disagree with you. I would say, though, that much like this last Sunday night, we're probably going to take the favor in a three and a half if that's the case. It's going to be below freezing. It's going to be – I don't think there's going to be any snow, although I was really hoping there would be snow in the forecast because I just – I need to hear people talk about Jared Goff's inability to throw a football in the snow. Um, there is – you are going to have a real hard time convincing me that the Rams are not a far superior team to the Chicago Bears and that they can't outscore that offense by seven, seven and a half points especially with Trubisky coming off of a little bit of an injury. I don't know. Well, and also being Mitch Trubisky, like, do, do, well, here's a question. Do the Bears win that game today with Trubisky instead of Daniel? Was Daniel the reason they lost the game? Kind of. He sucked. <laughs> I mean, I guess I have but to I, look. I, I just don't know that Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky are different. Like, I think – Chase Daniels just sort of struggles in some situations that are a little different than where Trubisky struggles, like catching the ball and snap. <laughs> Trubisky's issues are afterwards. Yeah, I get. I mean, 
You look at Daniel. I, I'm looking at his statistics now. Yeah, he did struggle a little bit, although he was what four of five for over 120 yards, throwing the ball 20 yards or more downfield. Um, yeah, I, okay. So he did not play as well as I thought. Uh, still, you know, 7.3 yards for an attempt. I don't know. I I just don't think much of Mitch Trubisky, right? So then I look at it. I look at an offense that I think is pretty big fraud. Uh, especially up top, and I look at a Rams offense that I think basically sleptwalked through a Detroit game and still won by 14 uh, coming in here and you know seeing the number one seed in the NFC as theirs. Uh, and, and I, I as, as you said, I think that they win, and I think they win convincingly. The, the reason – so the Vikings, people remember the Vikings – you know, going into Chicago and getting their butts kicked in. And the Rams are many classes, many leagues in front of the Vikings offensively. And I think that is the reason to really, you know, th- that's the reason to take the Rams here. That, that it's not, it's not the Chicago defense is some sort of smothering. Yeah. The, the Chicago defense is not the reason to be afraid here. The, the reason to like the Rams is simply that their offense is that much better than the Bears' offense. They're going to outscore them by more than, than uh, four points, I, I don't think. I, I think this line moves towards the Rams. I think it gets out to four, four and a half by the time uh, the game rolls around. But there's going to be so much discussion about defense mattering in this game. I just think the money, <laughs> when it comes down to putting money on it, I think the money will speak for the Rams. That's my guess. What, do, what, do you think the line moves the other way? Yes. I, I actually, I think like, so the traditional sort of quote unquote money, you know, sharp sides are always like, you know, home dogs and things like that. I think to me, that's the, that's like the blind play. Somebody who hasn't thought it through possibly as much as you have. I think that like, to me, I think that this gets down to three. I don't think it gets down to two and a half for sure, but I do think it gets to three, like minus 120 in favor of the, you know, the Rams. And I do think that that's a far better play than three and a half here. I, I do think there are going to be people that just blindly bet Chicago as a good team at home getting more than a field goal. Yeah, the obese society of Vegas on their Monday afternoon trip to raid the local Arby's will certainly think those Bears. Three and a half. We missed a compelling game uh, on the way to Sunday night, which is Philadelphia at Dallas. Uh, no, I was I was saving that one. Oh, cool. okay, cool. So we're on the same page. So this is interesting. Yes, I, I was saving it as I wanted to get Pittsburgh Oakland out of the way and then talk about the three compelling games. Um, so let's go. Let's go to Philly Dallas now. Um, I was. So this game is interesting because Philly still has to play Monday night. Um, yeah, let's just, let's sort of assume that Philly holds serve. They win by five, six points. Dallas favored by four in this game, which is hilarious because it is a 11 and a half point swing from the last meeting in Philadelphia where it's just amazing. Um, Philly can't cover anybody. Does it matter? Well, well, let's let's ask a different question. If Philly could cover, would it matter? Would it matter? 
Okay, my answer is yes. Because I because I think Amari Cooper is good enough to like to like if Ronald Darby was still there, or if if uh, Patrick Robinson was still there from a season ago, I think Amari Cooper still gets his. I think Amari Cooper gets his against the the lineup of Philadelphia corners that is currently out there. Uh, but I also don't think that Dak can take advantage uh, of those plays as much. Like, Dak was not good on Thursday night. It means missing wide-open throws. I mean, he's good when with the ball in his hands running the ball, but I Dallas, to me, is not the team to take advantage of Philadelphia's weaknesses defensively. Yeah, I, I agree there. It, Philly is anything. They have to put up one hell of a valiant effort these next couple of weeks, and they really need to do that because the game in Los Angeles that they are playing in two weeks needs to not get flexed out. So the big Eagles fan tonight, which worries me a ton because that means they're probably going to lay an egg. They definitely – I'm not sure that Doug Peterson has accurately communicated to his team how much this game means to me. So I'm not sure that they're going to fight as hard as I would like them. Tomlin to certainly didn't communicate such the such a, a message to his team. So I don't know how if they're getting to these guys. No, it's a real shame that people don't know how much these games mean to me and my family, and you know the fact that I'm trying to, to pay off student debt and everything. I've got you know just come on, understand four, four points saying that that the Cowboys are the better team on a neutral field. Are the Cowboys a better team than the Eagles on the mutual field? Yes, I think this. I think this point spread swing is more of an indication that we were still overvaluing Philly back when they played on Sunday night a few weeks ago than it is that Dallas has gotten so much better. Um, I I think Philadelphia was you know their fourth down variance, the third down and long variance, the passing under pressure, uh, I think that's all caught up to them. Uh, and then you sprinkle in their defensive deficiencies with injuries in, in the secondary and at coverage linebacker Jordan Hicks. Uh, I do think we're seeing Philadelphia as the classic coverage matters more than pass rush case. Uh, and so I don't think Philly's particularly strong at all. I actually don't. I, I know that I want Philly to win. On Monday night, because I want you to have your, you know, your fun on Sunday night football. Uh, but I could, I don't, I don't think Philadelphia is, is a shoe in to win against Washington this week at all. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that says all you need to know about what I think of them in relation to Dallas. Hurtful, truthful. So would you, gun to the head, take Dallas minus four or Philly plus four? Uh, I, I go Dallas actually. I think Dallas gets out ahead, and and then and then you see a lot of causal carries from uh, Zeke at the end of the game. You know, we, yeah, just get him get him over you know twenty five carries to cement the victory. Exactly. Well, no, they, those carries preceded the victory in the space time continuum. So, all right, Monday night game, Minnesota at Seattle. Oh, by the way, you you would take Dallas gun to the head. I would take Philly gun to the head. Getting four. Correct. Minnesota at Seattle, but sometimes you don't trust you've got to pick. And so just giving the people what they want, which is my terrible opinion. Minnesota at Seattle. 
this is the second best game of the weekend. Seattle, a three-point favorite. These teams seem like they're fairly equal. I think three seems pretty darn fair. Agree, disagree. Yeah, I mean, so once you're done watching Detroit and Arizona, you can watch the second best uh, game of the weekend uh, here. Well, you know my general inclination towards the Vikings is to assume that they're not very good. Um, they that has worked relatively often, um, and and I think in this particular one, what the Vikings are going to try to do is they're going to try to get Dalvin Cook more involved because their head coach called out John D. Filippo on the on the podium today for not doing so, and I think that, that would be a grave mistake for the Vikings because Bobby Wagner. Uh, plays linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, so will probably neutralize him. I'm sorry, I did not see this. What, what was the quote? Do you, do you somebody, somebody asked if if uh, if Mike Zimmer was satisfied with the play calling of John D. Filippo, and he just he gave a one word answer, uh, and no. so he just said no. Uh, and and they followed up with like, has he committed to the running game to your satisfaction? It was Basically, no. And and Dalvin Cook was very effective uh, against the Patriots on limited plays. Uh, I would say that the Vikings are going to try to do their best Seahawks impression and establish the run uh, on Monday night. And I think that with that offensive line the way it is, with the mismatches they likely have at receiver and corner, that would be a grave mistake. But I think it's one that they're going to willfully make. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. So, so, and then, so then it does, it comes down to two quarterbacks who have similar personalities, but not similar talent levels. And, and, uh, and Seattle has the one with more talent. Russell Wilson off the field is like Kirk Cousins on the field. I think, yeah, yeah. So, so Wilson threw 17 passes against the Niners, uh, had a, had more than 130 pass rating with win both clean and pressure. Uh, pressured, uh, he had what, six incompletions and four touchdown passes. I mean, he's just been everything and, uh, for them and he hasn't really even been tested the last few weeks because they've been able, uh, to, you know, weirdly establish the run with, uh, Penny and, uh, Sean Alexander and Chris Warren. Remember I said in talking about the Patriots game this past week against the Vikings that I thought this was a trap game for the Vikings that they would be looking ahead to this game in Seattle because this is a very big game for the wild card. They now, you know, have some sort of a chance at, at the, at the Bears, right? Because if the Bears lose, they also have the Bears, uh, at home week 17, you know, perhaps to win that division. So this is certainly a kitchen sink game for the Vikings. Now, if the kitchen sink is full of runs, up the middle, that would worry me a little bit. Three seems very fair in this game. This is probably like the quintessential, these teams are even on a neutral field type game. So which side would you go on if you had to? I lay three with Seattle. The, the most predictable pick of the season right there. You can't believe you said that. I'm stunned. Uh, I would go the better, I would take the better quarterback as well. Um, and swallow, swallow the points and take Russell Wilson. Uh, 
the Vikings have two injuries at corner that you probably want to monitor with Xavier Rhodes. You know, play, Xavier Rhodes is the cornerback version of Gronk this week. Uh, and then Trey Wayans, I believe, had, either had a shoulder injury or concussion. So the Vikings are playing two guys who are undrafted in Marcus Sherrill's and Holton Hill at corner. Um, yeah, so that's not, a good situation. that's not a good thing. That's why you established the run because proven fact that the run allows you to keep the ball and score more points, which limits the time that your defense has to stay on the field. Oh, tell me more. Uh, you can read my book. Yeah. Um, all right. That's all we've got. Week 14 should be fun. We only have a few weeks left. So, uh, you know, you got to make the most of it. And, um, yeah, good luck in all of your fancy matchups. We should have done just a talk. We should have done a, a three, a 180. And we should have just talked about uh, our biggest pickups for the playoff push in your fantasy lives, fantasy, fantasy leagues. That's what we should have done. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll put that I'll write that down. We're just doing an emergency podcast tomorrow. All right. Um, as usual, head to profootballfocus.com, subscribe, and hit us up if you have any questions. And we'll uh, pour a little sample around to Adam answer them on Thursday. Eric, I'll see you later. Peace out, guys. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20.